0: Welcome to TripCast360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. I am your co-host, Michael Gordon Bennett, and I am joined, as always, by the man from Barbados, Dave Cumberbatch. Uh, Dave, before we jump into today's show, the airline industry is an absolute mess. I saw where United just toying with laying off 30,000 people. We've got airlines who aren't keeping middle seats because of COVID. Man, I don't even know what to make of this anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sad. I mean, 30,000 people at this time, um, like yourself, I don't know what to make of of it as well. But um, they did disclose the reason why they're laying off that many people.
0: Uh, I didn't, I only glanced at it and and I can only guess that obviously part of it is the uh, lack of travelers. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, I got on a plane a couple of weeks ago for the first time since COVID broke out and and the airport was empty. But, uh, I mean, our response to this COVID virus is absolutely killing an industry that we love. And I don't know how to make it right. It, it, it's a struggle. I go through all these machinations in my head of trying to figure out how to get this industry back on its feet, but nothing's going to change until we either come up with some sort of national unity to get this under control or a uh, vaccine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking more in lines of a back, of a vaccine. I remember we saw a survey and the survey asked a number of questions and the the number one response to that question was people would feel safe to travel again once there's a vaccine.
0: Yeah, so, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I think we're going to have to wait on that. Um, before we get to our guest, uh, I'm going to do a few housekeeping notes, as I always do. Uh, you heard in the open that we are a show for the voiceless travelers. So if any of you have some great travel stories out there that you would like to submit to us, you can possibly be a guest on our show or we can just put your stories on our website. You can send us an email at contact at tripcast360.com. That is contact at tripcast360.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also listen to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We are on all of them. And you can also follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And again, our website is TripCast360.com. Dave, you ready to get our guest on here?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, just to tease a bit, um, I'm all excited about this episode, or guest's has been a TV host, a filmmaker, a public speaker, a reporter, among so many other things. So uh, let's get started.
0: Well, let me me bring her in here. She's appeared on the Today Show, NBC News, CNN, HLN, The Weather Channel, Dr. Oz, and numerous local stations across the country as the go-to travel expert. She's a two-time National Emmy Award-winning journalist, who in addition to travel has covered sports, entertainment, movies, environmental issues, and a number of lifestyle topics for both television and digital media. She currently produces and stars in an exciting travel show on Amazon called Beyond the Usual. Davey Sutton, welcome
1: to TripCast360. Hey
2: guys, old friends, glad yes, to be it, reconnected.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Davey, um, it's been a long time. The last time we, we saw each other was in 2017, I believe in Grenada.
2: Yes, it was Grenada, um, and oh, I would love to be there right now.
1: <laughs> yes, um, it's been a long journey for you. What are you doing these days? And tell us about your journey thus far.
2: Well, these days, um, I've just actually released the first, and this week is supposed to be the second, but I think it's going to be pushed of a series of tra- coloring books based on travel. Um, so that's kind of what my focus has been just like most immediately. Um, But the rest is I have a production company. So we create content for different um, networks and publications. And so some of the stuff is going to slowly be rolling out because we film and produce these things, me and my team at different times. And sometimes it all comes out at one time. and Sometimes people are like, Oh, you've been busy, and I've been busy, but there is still only twenty-four hours in a day. And when people decide to release things, sometimes it all comes at one time, and that it's fun to get the response of um, "I didn't know you've been doing that, that, and that."
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: tell, tell us the name of this coloring book, and what was your inspiration behind it?
2: Uh, the first one is called, and I have it right here. Um, Wonders of the World and Other Fantastic Places to Visit. Um, and I, well, I'll tell you the inspiration, but I'll show you a few of the fun pages. So the wonders part, we have like little snippets, but it's meant for you to mostly to color. And then the rest are kind of just places where I ask you nice. to, like there's a, um, there's a transition page that says you can color or you can get also guess where they are. Um, They're meant to be torn and people want to hang them. You can color, you can use chalk, you can use watercolor. So I spend a lot of time on that, but it all really um, came together. I kind of had the idea, but you know, when you're on the go all the time as travelers, some of these to-do list projects never get to get done. (laughs) And I've been able to do some of these things, but during um, lockdown and quarantine, um, coloring actually helps uh, release anxiety and stress. So I find that people, like my mom has always loved to adult color. So it's not just for kids. I know some of my friends who have supported the book, they bought them and a couple of them and given them to their kids. And I was like, hold up, they're they're meant for, I say, for age four to 104. Um, And it's just a way that you can wake up in the morning and start coloring. You could do it instead of looking at your phone at night. You can like lull yourself to bed and start coloring. So that was kind of like the inspiration of getting it out now and during this time. So there's a series of four. The second one is on maps. It was meant to be this week. Um, That's a little bit delayed. Um, And then the next one is on beauties of the world. So it's uh, exotic women um, around the world in coloring book form. Yes. And then the last one will be on um, uh, endangered species. So that's going to be that project. Get that out there and move along. (laughs) All
0: right. Tell us before we get uh, off to the next subject, where can we get your book?
2: So you can find it. I have a lifestyle website called um, travel with Davy. So it has a lot of little stuff that I've hand designed. Um, I have the like earrings like this that are like coming out soon about the world. They're, they're maps of the world. I love maps of the world. I have a face mask that um, we are re-upping. They immediately sold out when we sold that. So travelwithdavy.com. But the books, you can do get it there or you can go directly to Amazon, Amazon, quickest way to get it. <laughs> I'll um, tell you directly from their website, they just take a little bit longer. Um, the directly for the website option was if you wanted to signed, autograph one. But right now, I'm just telling everybody, go to Amazon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I believe I read that you grew up in a Christian family. What role does your Christian values play in this stuff environment? And how do you negotiate deals? And how do you deal with uh, disappointments when they come?
2: Oh, that's very interesting. So I did, I grew up like in a a really kind of strict um, American black non-denominational Christian family, Um, kind of conservative. I had one friend and politics says that people don't realize how many black people are conservative it's just that the conservative party here they'll go on the podium and say something racist and then that just pushes you you back (laughs) but they actually believe a lot of the same things that the conservative party that's a little divergent but anyways um but yeah for me i've evolved to being more spiritual i still still believe in god but the the religion part as i was getting older didn't make sense um as far as what I know of God and how he would love me. Um, there was rules of, of always being afraid of moving through the world instead of moving through the world with love. Um, and so that really does shape me and how I move through the world interactively. Um, I think integrity is the most important thing, and so I always have a check. Actually, one of the things I say in the morning, and I don't have any tattoos, but I always said if I would get a tattoo, it would say honor, love, and integrity because (laughs) um, that was something... I grew up in Los Angeles, so I have a lot of friends, actually, that... I, um, that were already uh, in the industry or I saw them grow to celebrity and I've been around celebrity and I would see how things would change. And so in my career, as things started to get better and better, I never wanted to get lost and lose myself and my core values. So honor, love and integrity, I think will always keep me grounded.
0: You know, it, it's funny. I, I wasn't planning on getting off into a a moral discussion. But one of the things that I always notice when I travel around the world is there's a core set of values that pretty much everybody in the global universe uh, adheres to. And Mm -hmm. if if you're a person of faith, regardless of whether you're a church going person who reads the Bible a hundred times a day, or you're just somebody who's got a spiritual connection to the, to the universe. um, I, I find when I travel, I I get treated like a rock star in pretty much every country I go to. And I'm not a celebrity. I'm not somebody you would turn on the dial and watch in a great movie, or I'm not the athlete out there running up and down a court or something. But it's just this warmth that you get from uh, seeing other cultures, you know, uh, and I know you've probably experienced the same thing.
2: Yeah, that's so funny that you said that, because my undergrad degree is in the study of world religions. And people have asked me what was my overall t- my takeaway from that and i i say what you said michael is that it doesn't matter like there's there's there were five kind of principal core things that all connect human humanity and it doesn't matter that all ring through tr- through through all beliefs philosophies and religion and it, we all no matter where we were on the earth, as humans from ancient times have come to the same conclusions about how to live and be here and survive. And love is the under is the one that ties it all together. But there's always a rule of like not stealing and using integrity and not killing. And this is the fun part of what I always throw in if some if, if the audience is willing to kind of uh, take it in. I was like, there's also something that's really interesting that I, I observed and studying because that I studied that at um, UCLA. So um, it's a public school. So it's not theology, which a lot of people conflated. It's the study <laughs> of world religions. Right. So we did a lot of history, anthropology. We did some philosophy, but it was really a combination of history, anthropology, some sociology. And with the anthropology part, I noticed that, Every corner of ancient society had a supernatural encounter, <laughs> uh, every, every part that's from perfect. Asia to South America. And so I think that's also really grounding, it, whether it's in like it would be in their hieroglyphs, um, they mm-hmm. documented something that wasn't mm. natural happened in Somebody experienced it there, um, and so I always think I always throw that as a fun, a fan, fun antidote. But what you said, Michael, is so true. And um, Mark Twain has that quote, which I can't exactly quote, but like racism doesn't live with the travelers uh, along those lines because it's kind of impossible when you when you. Are a traveler and you have time to sit and observe, so you don't do it in a in a colonialistic way. You do it more in an immersion kind of way. You go to that local coffee shop and just see people. Peopling is what I say. Um, You see that you'll see that person, that man going rushing to work because he has to be a provider, and you'll see all that mom wants to do is feed her feed her child, and that brings humanity together. Um, And then. I think another thing of what you said, Michael, is the way we used to move through the world as um, Westerner Black Americans around the world is something that Black Americans should all experience because what you think that you are looked upon as here in this country is not necessarily the way the rest of the world no.
0: It's totally different. Uh, I I remember, uh, you know, I I told you in the pre-interview before we started taping that I'm a military brat and I spent, uh, I went to kindergarten first and second grade in Madrid. The best thing my dad ever did was make sure we did not live on the military base. We lived in Madrid. All of my neighbors were Spanish. We lived in a uh, 10 story building where you had the clothesline between the buildings and an open courtyard to dry your laundry. And I remember as a six-year-old, I don't know why my mother let me do this, but I would go wander the streets of Madrid for hours by myself. Wow. And I, <laughs> I remember when siesta came, you know, of course, I'm a girl, you know, what the, what the hell is siesta? And, um, you know, so I'm walking the streets of Madrid by myself. All the shops are closed. Uh, all the restaurants are closed. There may be the occasional person pedaling up and down the street in, in Madrid on a bike. I got lost. And I got lost more than once. But <laughs> I remember the Spaniards always pointed me back to my house. I would just walk. I spoke Spanish fluently then. Uh, don't ask me now. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, they, always, no. yeah. <laughs> they always got me home. I said, I live at whatever. And they said, oh, go here, turn here, go here. And I got home. I'm a six-year-old black boy in Madrid, Spain. And they always got me home. Right. And I've never, ever, ever forgotten that experience. And actually, I use that experience to kind of guide my way through the world. Now, even here in the United States, because I was exposed to another culture at such a young age, I can actually apply those lessons that actually has taught me tolerance of people who disagree with me, even on a political landscape. I I mean, I try to hear their point of view if they're not too off the deep end, right. um, you know, when I traveled to whether it's Costa Rica or I spent time in Korea or, you know, wherever I've been, that lesson has stuck with me. And as regards to your UCLA class, I'm a graduate of Cal State. Northridge, oh, gee. But I, used to, I took a <laughs> class called History <laughs> of Religion and I used to go study that class in the UCLA library. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because it was closer to my house than Northridge was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you heard the conversation at the top of this show about airlines and COVID and travel, and what, what is your take on what's going on right now and, and where you see us in, on the road to recovery?
2: So, I think it was really telling with the air, with some of the airlines taking a stance of kind of doing like a cost ratio. Uh, your life, like, you know, your life overfilling the seats, you might get somebody in your middle seat. I think that was telling in that we should really be, um, it's up to us personally to be as protective as you can with your own personal safety, because they're not going to look out for you in that way, and I've been paying more attention on the moves that people have been making in that regard. Uh, I last week I listened in on the TSA call um, and got some understanding on what they what the director said about that, about um, the screenings, what they'll be doing. They'll be doing, uh, they're not going to do temperature checks. And it, and it does make sense why they're not because just because you have a fever or do not doesn't mean that you don't have coronavirus. So that made sense, right? Um, and there was some understanding in that. So I have been paying attention to the trades in that way. Recovery, I, what you said, David, is I think is 100% for me personally, I'm not going to feel totally comfortable getting on a plane unless I have to. I've been asked to in two weeks and I told them, uh, let's change the location to where it's drivable for me. Um, right. Because it, the way that we know how the virus spreads. So, and, and we don't also know, that much about it to how it will affect us individually. So I know we have heard some conversations of people saying, well, we probably all had it or let me just go ahead and get it. But we don't know how it's going to happen affect you individually and spreading to people. So I feel like now we've probably expanded our little quarantine bubbles. I know I have, I'll I'll go see my family now, but that's it. Um, I'm limiting. I'm like, I've loosened a bit, but I'm still really cautious. And so for me, I don't see a resolve of international travel. Plus they don't want us right now. So, (laughs) but, but I do miss, like, I totally miss the adventures. I totally miss, you know, being able to do that. But then I have a reality check myself. If I was able to go today, I wouldn't be able to do those adventures in this, the, the way I have. So that's, a, I feel like I, and and you asked me moving ahead. I feel like we might not even for like two years, be able to do yeah. move as freely as we have them before. And so what we have to accept is that it's changed. And what can we do as it has changed? Right? So, Road trips are all the rage, and that does, you know, impact the airline industry. But the airline industry is the air like we will always need to fly, and we will fly again. And we've also had a history of powerhouse airlines that were the top airlines disappear. So I know I'm taking all these twists and turns. So that's why I am very particularly pissed at Delta trying to give people credits. And I talked to like one of the representatives (laughs) there and said. I know you're Delta and you're my preferred domestic airline, but Pan Am was also somebody's preferred airline and so was TWA and no one thought they would not be here. No one thought Pan Am or TWA would not be here. Um, So you should give me my money because I don't know if your job is good, like if you will still be here (laughs) beyond being bailed out and if this goes on beyond six months, which it has already like we're reaching that point right now, so I know it's a that was a little jumbled answer. No, but, that's fine. That's you know, fine. That's, that's fine.
1: fine. You are involved in so many aspects of the business, and I read where you were extremely determined in getting into CNN. You were determined in so many things that you've done. Um, how do you measure your success?
2: Um, I think it was, and I I wouldn't say. much the success part but it's about like the journey part it was um no one was going to give it to me so i grew up in southern california where i had friends and was really exposed to like and i and i grew up um middle class to upper middle class southern california so i saw how just being cute and blonde full enough
3: (laughs) just open
2: just gave you the opportunity and opportunities didn't come that way to me even though I was cute enough (laughs) but (laughs) but it did and I'll
0: I'll attest you are we (laughs) are thank you you.
2: (laughs) thank you but it was a subtle subtle socialization of that's not going to happen to you in the same way. So I accepted it instead of pouting about it. And my focus and driving to getting where I wanted was to create it. So I've always been creating it and presenting it and then allowing people, like I always had to show proof of work instead of just getting the opportunity to prove the work. Do you understand the the difference? Yes, most certainly. And when I talked, I used to talk a lot more to like college students and I would tell them about your journey and especially if it was to um, kids of color, that you have to early on accept that it's not going to be the same. Like you can't pout that Ashley just got looked at or Chad just got the opportunity because his dad's uncle worked at the building, which I saw when I worked for Turner Sports. The internships were rare and would always be some kid's neighbors something to the executive. Um, You have to figure out, you can spend your energy if that's the goal you want to get to your energy on figuring out how to get to it instead of being disappointed or pouting that it doesn't work out for you in that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it makes sense as somebody who was a quote unquote former actor. Um, and I would go in for all these auditions and, you know, sometimes I was the only person of color in the room and yeah. as, as, a, actor, you get a sixth sense, if you will, of even if you have a chance of getting the role. And I I remember all of my disappointments. I went on 119 auditions before I got my first job. Wow. And I got and I booked three jobs in one day on that 120th (laughs) audition. But I I remember it first because I didn't understand the industry. First of all, I moved to California after seven years in the Air Force. So (laughs) entertainment and Hollywood and me, we were not connected. Um, You know, I I was sitting in a restaurant with my uh, uh, then two year old son and it was in Beverly Hills. And we were just having a good time, just the two of us, you know, that little daddy thing with his son. Some agent walks up to me and hands me his business card. <laughs> and on the business card, he says, we ha- you have a great look for a commercial that we're doing in a couple of weeks. Well, this is the first, my first entree into Hollywood. And like I said, I'm a military brat and I'm a vet. I'm not, a, I'm not gonna fall for the okie doke like everybody else who goes to Hollywood and tries <laughs> to become an actor. So I blew the guy off, so I'm not interested. sent him away. He called me at my house four days later. I don't know how he found my number. Like, to this day, I don't know how he found my number. And then he gets on the phone and he says, didn't I tell? I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're talking to the wrong person. I'm right. not one of these people chasing Hollywood. And so he backed up. I actually went to the audition and I did get the part. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> then it got, all got cut. So you can't even see me. in the oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so,
3: okay.
0: I've got a couple of those stories on my SAG resume of showing up in the film and then my scenes at the editing room floor.
2: Yes, of course, (laughs) always. (laughs) Which actually,
0: which actually brings me to to your uh, show Beyond the Usual, which I know is on Amazon. But you, uh, in the pre-interview, you indicated it was syndicated other places, and, and the reason I bring it up. In addition to, I want you to tell us about the show. Is when you produce your own stuff and put yourself in front of the camera, you have control of your destiny. But tell us about the show.
2: Yeah. So beyond the usual um, was when I was making a pivot. I say a career pivot. Most of my career had been is a sports presenter. Um, I worked a year in in London, so I um, love. I took some of my favorite words, and so instead of saying anchor, they say presenter. So I love saying
3: yeah.
2: i <laughs> I'm a presenter. So, um, but Anchor Reporter for about a good 10 years, and then I hosted that lifestyle and entertainment show out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and I I was going to start my production company and move to Atlanta when a former colleague that I worked with at um, CNN wanted me to work sports again with him. They were building a a new sports department at the CBS station. And I really didn't want the job, but he was like, just talk to my boss. And I went in kind of like, uh, yeah, the way you guys do local news does sports is stupid. And, and you know, when you, when you don't care is when they're intrigued by you. (laughs) So I ended up doing that a year um, and got out of my contract. Uh, that's a story for another day. Um, we'll see if I'm still under the NDA <laughs>
0: for that. <laughs> um, but, um, no comment.
2: Right, right. Um, but I pivoted and I started with my production company doing documentaries. And the first project out of that was a social justice documentary, um, which I had started in Charlotte, but, um, I got to finish that and then moved on to, um, I started pitching that I wanted to cover, um, travel. And I got, I learned about travel a bit when I was hosting and reporting for the lifestyle and entertainment show, because that was part of the mix. And so also executives that I had worked with, they say, yes, you're good at sports, but you're great at this kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I felt great doing that kind of stuff. I felt more natural presenting in that Kind of way, and so I wanted to go longer down that road, so I did a, about a year of researching what the industry wanted, what it needed as I was working my uh, production company. So I did a whole bunch of conferences, I talked to influencers and YouTubers because I said, Do I have to go digital? And I, by that time, they're just looking at me like auntie, so they gave me their secrets. They're there, <laughs> they didn't, they, you know, they're like, We could tell this older lady, you know, how to use Instagram. Um, and, um, so, so I did a lot of studying, went to marketing blogger conferences, all these conferences and, um, and figured out that I wanted to make a television show because also I realized that, um, all of those social media kids that were making millions of dollars already, they still wanted to be on TV. And what I knew was TV and I, and they got started when they were in high school. So they had all of this disposable time. And by the time they were making money, they were adults. Um, So they built up this audience. And I knew I didn't have time to build up an audience. So I needed to present something that already had an audience. So that's how that all came about. But then at the time we were producing it for television and Amazon was looking for creators and we got accepted as one of their first creators um, for Prime Video. So this is early. This is when people didn't know that Amazon had video. Um, And because the deal happened in 2015 i think um and so the show the first season came out in 2017 and that is because we also had to self-produce it so that took the money and so the you'll see the difference from the first season to the second season season with the budgeting and also figuring out that format for it over the top network which is like a netflix um what the timing would be um for that because I knew what digital was and digital audience wanted shorter videos. Yeah. Um, and I knew what television was. Um, but that streaming video, what was their attention span? So we settled on about like 10 minute chunks. And even now that it's, uh, cause lately I've been kind of like put pushing it out again. Uh, because it came out in 2019 and trying to find new audiences for it because um, people are at home and we can't travel. So I say wanderlust with me a bit and watch the second season of our show um, they still want those episodes to be even longer, so um it 's on hiatus now, of course <laughs> uh, <laughs> are,
0: but there plan, two... are there plans for season three
2: so the way we 're moving it now is that they all have to be uh, sponsored and uh, the deal in advance instead of just piecing it together because that 's what took so long for like two years to produce each season so um and also we probably like the first season. Didn't have to do it this way, but the episodes are, are shorter, um, like four to five minute chunks. Um, there's 40 episodes in the first season. The second season, there there's 18 episodes. Um, probably would do something like eight to 10 episodes that were longer if we did a third season.
1: At this stage of your career, would you say that you're still proving yourself?
2: Yes, because there's still people that um, don't know don't know what I do. So, um, but my goal impossible. is
0: impossible. <laughs>
2: thank you, thank you. But you know what I do.
0: <laughs>
2: um, no, I I think um, I at one time one journalism conference somebody asked me a question into which me responding I realized that I had never been hired primarily by a white man. So white women have hired me and, wow. and black men have aided and hire me or black women have aided and hired me. And, um, that was a, a wow revelation. And I've had white men like general managers. So they eventually signed off with the advocate, the person who p- presented me or pitched me the sponsor, if you will, had not been a white man which we go into like when we talk television we go into casting especially when we talk like local news if you go through and scroll through the profiles of local news you'll see who the usually the news director has a type uh male and female they have a type you'll see that their yeah cast or their their team their news team Look a particular way, Um, and so that could be an explanation for that as as well. But yeah, so um, I've never um, actually now I now that I say that no, there was a white woman who told the white man. (laughs) Yeah,
3: so I was thinking
2: my one of my very first opportunities early on is when I moved to Atlanta. I worked for comcast sports um which no longer is here um in atlanta and when that job ended like the network ended um this white woman said i know where you can go and it was for the statewide they had this um um, show called Prep Sports Plus and it, it was such a fun show to do um, but we covered high school sports across the state of Georgia um, and she presented me to the to the white man <laughs> so it's always been like that it's
1: always been a female <laughs>
2: female or or black man so um, there's been a black man who had told their boss about me or a black woman who's told their boss about me or or any kind of woman who's told their boss about me Um, but mostly women, mostly women. I will tell you,
0: you you know what I'm now that you said this, I'm going back through my entire career, trying to figure out who hired me other than the job that I had at KCOP. I have never been hired by a white male either. It it just occurred to me. It's always, it's primarily been women.
2: It's Uh, women. Yeah. yeah. Um, and
0: women who hired me,
2: (laughs) there aren't that many, there are more now. Um, black women but there were there if there was a woman it would be a white woman that would be in that kind wow. of executive role and so it would be up to her to see you as a person <laughs> if she could to fit into the puzzle of of their show or whatever the their project or or news team so yeah um That's so you asked david if i uh i'm still proving myself i i um I don't think I'm still proving myself. I feel like I'm still showing people. So, like, I, I'm fully confident in what I can do. And when people see me, they're like, "Oh, I it, exactly the the my deal with um the Dr. Oz show." So, um, I have a friend that I went to college with is who is one of their investigator reporters for that show. And I was in talk. They reached out to me, maybe. A, a, a year earlier for to come on as a guest for their show but it wasn't the right fit so that's the thing with me like if it's not for me it's not for me so i'm not going to do it just to do it so um i turned it down but i was i never thought about doing that kind of show like travel healthy like healthy travel, the healthy traveler um Mm -hmm. but once they planted that in my head i was like let me pitch them this and this and i was trying to reach out to them for about a year and didn't, didn't hear from them. And then, you know, something told me, well, just ask, just ask your friend who works on the show. And I didn't want, you know, you don't want to like do that. Like it's their job, you know? (laughs) And and then I told her, I said, Hey, they reached out to me. Now I can't reach anybody. Can you, I have this idea. Can you send it to them? And then she actually helped me rephrase my pitch that would make it more appealing. And when I tell you, Four or five producers got on the phone with me the next day and said, "How do we not know you? We never had a tra- like a person to cover travel. These are great ideas." And be, without me even coming on yet, they're like, "You're our travel girl. You're you're Dr. Oz's travel girl." Right. Um, and I was like, "Okay, this is great." So that's what <laughs> I, going back to like they just have to see me. I feel like I've done a lot of proof of work. So let's present what, you know, like, I'm just trying at, at this point, I'm just trying more to have more people see the work that I do.
0: Right. Uh, on a, your, your show on Amazon, plus we're going to touch on your commitment to the environment in just a minute, plus your shows with Dr. Oz and NBC News. What are some of your favorite travel destinations? Uh, and the experience that you had there? whether it's cultural, whether it was jumping out of an airplane, or just, you know, what, what are some of your favorite places to go? The Caribbean.
1: Okay. The Caribbean. Oh, yes. <laughs> Spoken like a man from Barbados.
2: Well, you know, okay, a recent, it's People, I never used to answer that question um, because I would always be traveling. And for me, every place is exciting that I'm in right now. And that is part of, I think, the magic of me presenting a story is that I can totally just focus on what I'm doing right now. And um, so I never used to answer that. But- if we okay, let's. We have to do quadru- quadrants of the world. <laughs> if we, if we, I went to Aruba and was fascinated because of what they're doing with the environment, so I actually did a story based on that. But also, it doesn't feel like a Caribbean island, it feels like Arizona there, it's that dry desert island and I got to explain to people what a desert island not a deserted island is um, and how they had the cactus um, but I can't pick a favorite Caribbean (laughs) island also I haven't been I haven't been everywhere there yet Um, and and then recently uh, well my very was it my last no one of my last trips uh, this year this year it seems like last year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sometimes I wish they put a big X through 2020. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> or
2: or stop it after March because yeah,
0: exactly. 2020A yeah.
2: and then 2020B. <laughs> B. <laughs> I was in Fiji and I was fascinated That's with Fiji because the infrastructure there of how like they do get hurricanes and volcanoes but they just expect like it like there's still people there like no one's escaped like they haven't say I'm out like there's <laughs> islands, too you know um, they they are just prepared for it um, I don't but I, I I gave you a couple of places but I really can't pick a favorite place because I right. my approach to travel is that I get to. Like, I always feel like, oh my God, I I get to go here. I get to see the people. I really am immersive with it. Um, And I also really strongly think it is because I'm a person of color. I I never approached it as, because I could be them, is what I I see when I see, uh, when I travel anywhere. Um, and I really do look at the, I look at the poor people out of place. My heart breaks when I see an old man pushing a cart down. That means he's still working. That means he can't retire. That means he has to be doing that because he should be retired. All of those elements go into when I travel. And then when I, in, in, in as a result of travel, turning it into a story. And that's why if we go back to, did I say this, um, on one show that I was on where the host, um, pushed back at me doing adventure. He said, black people like to like, well, he said black people. And then he said myself, I like to just go to the Caribbean and stay on the beach and lounge and saying, that's what we do as a, people which right.
0: I which I, I I disagree it, it, it's, yeah. to, it's totally totally not true I mean I've jumped out of an airplane I've dived off of a cliff I've done all that stuff was I scared oh yeah yes uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but you, you kind of you figured that out but the, the pat answer I give to when the question that I just asked you is I love the world every place I've been is great And that's just the way I leave it. Um, I I don't get into trying to separate one from the other because it's impossible. With that being said, I do have a few great experiences, and Fiji was actually one of them. Um, I I remember when I got to Fiji, it was a 12-hour flight from LAX. It was 5 o'clock in the morning when we landed, and the people who arranged my trip put us on a seaplane to Vomo Island. (laughs) For those who've never been to Fiji before, Vomo Island is a honeymoon resort. Now, I had been two months uh, divorced, and I'm sitting on the beach by myself in my cabin. I'm watching all these married couples around me having this great time, and I'm like, ugh, you know. Um, So the hotel staff felt sorry for me. So every morning I woke up, I walked outside of my cabin staring straight into the ocean. And there was a a bottle of champagne sitting there. I had so much champagne after a week there that I actually wound up giving it to all the honeymoon couples. So I get it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So some of the things I think I just been blessed to be able to do. So like when you were saying jumping out the plane, I, I love that I've been able in my life to go repelling and a few times, and I would have never thought I could go repelling but i didn't just go repel my first time repelling was in the negev desert in israel um, and like that was my first time repelling and then my one of my second times is i was repelling down a waterfall in costa rica um, and then you talked about going on a seaplane. I've got to go on a seaplane before. Like seaplanes are crazy. Like when I'm on a seaplane, I'm like, how come all planes aren't like this? Like why can't <laughs> we just always land on water? We don't need to take the long runway if we could just take off and go on, yeah. on water. Yeah. And, and they yeah. fly
0: at lower altitudes, so you can see everything. Yeah, I mean, you can actually, if if you're like in Fiji, you know, I was able to see you the know,
2: coral, the <laughs> coral
0: beneath the surface, just flying over it. It, it was great.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: It's funny that you were talking about repelling in Israel. What I observe of you when we were in Grenada, you're not someone who just want to be there and report. You want to immerse yourself in whatever activity there is. Yes. Um, I'm, I recall you, zip. was it the zip lining? I've got video of you doing in that. In Grenada? In, in um, Grenada.
2: I, I remember I did two waterfall excursions. Um and then what's the island that you go to um carryapo
3: Car- 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 yes Car- 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 yes
2: um yeah i just want to see because i here's the thing when david uh w- when michael said like the whole world is my favorite. Like, I feel like I still have the whole world to see. So when I'm in a place, I really don't plan on returning um, because there's more of the world to see. So I would love to return to Fiji. And if I had the opportunity, of course I would. But there's a limited time of life that I have. So I'm really trying to go to as many places as I can go. Um, And so it doesn't mean that I haven't been to the Dominican Republic 150 times, but I prefer (laughs) if there's an option to go there or some other Caribbean Island that I haven't been, um, then I would take, I would opt for that instead of doing something that I've already done. And if every time I am in the DR, I do not repeat experiences. Um, so that is my approach, Dave.
1: Michael, I'll tell you something that trip from Grenada to Caracou, The water is rough. That is a ride on that boat.
2: (laughs) And they go pretty fast. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I'm assuming it's probably a current
0: that's being funneled between two islands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've had some pretty rough weather in the uh, Caribbean as well. Uh, Aby, I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this because I I did this when I was researching you. You have a, a very strong commitment to the environment and sustainable travel. I am with you on that a hundred percent. Uh, how did you come to that? I mean, what in your travels or I hate to ask the inspiration question again, but what inspired you to kind of get involved? Cause you've produced a lot of videos on that.
2: I, um, it actually, I'm not really going to name drop, but I was like on at a conference on a panel with um, Sam Champion, the weather guy uh, the, mm-hmm. that used to be for Good Morning America. And he implored me in my work to cover the environment because I was sharing with him and I thought they were two separate things travel and the environment. And um, I also do some news work too. So I, anytime I see, would see videos of or images of the ocean and all the pollution i told him like i would feel it like i would physically feel hurt from the earth like the earth and i would see these videos and think you know like wow and he said you can talk about that in your work and he said it could and so and i figured out how can i talk about this in my work and it was just the natural evolution so when i'm in a place I can, if it's part of the place, like it is a part of Fiji, their, their environmental issue is the dying coral. And I was able to tell a story about the dying coral of what the people are doing. And they're using the resorts there to help coral plant. And they're using it as like an experience that the, the travelers can participate in. And before I um, talked about it, I experienced it because and sometimes they say, you know, for, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, ecotourism purposes or yeah. tourism so that you feel better <laughs> that you're, you're volunteering, but does it really affect or help, you know, that community? Right. And I was really surprised that like, from my experience that it was really working. So the traveler can go and live in their, you know, spend their time in Fiji at their luxury resort. And we told all the beautiful things that you could do there um, at the luxury resort, but also have a hand an hour one morning and go out with their diver and plant it. And then he was showing me, yeah, these are the ones that were planted in 2017 and 2018. And as soon as I planted, I, we did a fish house. And as soon as I planted one fish house, a fish came and claimed the house. So I literally saw the, it happening in my eyes. And so that's how it started. It happened. He, um, Sand Champion kind of asked is there a way to include, you know, everybody? He was asking the, there were some bloggers there. He said, just include it when you see it as a part of your story. And then I figured out how to do it. Um, and so as I started to do it more, um, I became more comfortable with also presenting myself to speak sometimes just on environmental issues around the world.
0: I- I saw one of your videos where you were walking through a jungle somewhere and you were staring down at a snake. Anybody who knows me, <laughs> Dave, start laughing. Knows I cannot stand snakes. I've almost been bitten by a rattlesnake twice.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Um, and I, you were pointing down and you could say, I could tell he's not poisonous because of the shape of his head. Where was that?
2: Okay. I first thought you were talking about the Amazon, but no, that was in North Carolina.
0: Oh, ah, um, really?
2: Yeah. And I... I learned, but my guide told me like my guide right before me saw the snake. And then I saw the head and I was like, Oh, I can get close to it um, because of the shape of his head. So my photographer saw that interaction and was good enough to kind of get that. But that was in some mountain in North Carolina. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: okay. Listen, I'm, I'm just checking. <laughs> Listen yeah, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, a snake is a snake is a snake. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: true. But also here's another thing with snakes. Um, they can be scared, scary, and they're scared of you. And even if it was a poisonous snake, there's only one position that they can attack you in. So if yep. you see a snake coiled, that's when you're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> um,
3: uh, okay. That's because
2: it spotted you and it was ready to attack. But if it's just snaking along, just get out, the, skip past it, get out the way. We have no, we have no um, business here, snake, yep. me and you. So I don't love snakes and uh, they creep me out too. Um, but just knowing that I like taking adventure treks through woods and stuff, if I, knowing that if I encounter one and he's not coiled up, then I'm pretty, I have some time to get past him.
0: Yeah, and, and, most, and most snakes look for an escape route. They would prefer yeah. to stay away from you. The only reason that the uh, two times, both times it was in Florida uh, that the rattlesnake coiled was because a, I didn't see the first one. And I was surprised at how fast he got away when a friend of mine threw a shovel at it to get it away from my face. Really? The second rattlesnake.
2: Oh, he was act- in your face. Did he? Was he from a tree then?
0: He was hanging from a tree. Oh, and, uh, and it well,
2: was like, that's
0: Yeah. <laughs> there was like five or six of us. Be, I don't know why we did this. We were stupid kids. But uh, we would go walking through the woods by my house in Florida. And we did this all the time. And this one time there was like six of us gathered there and we decided to go trekking through some of the trails and the snake was actually in a bush that I actually had to walk right by to get back to the, to my house. And my friend saw it at the last second and threw his shovel. Otherwise that snake had me. Oh, wow. And he had, he had my face cause he was at face level. The second time I ran across a snake was also in, <laughs> in Florida, but this time it was different. The golf course at Tyndall Air Force Base is out in the middle of a swamp. And they had me go out there one night to check the doors to make sure the clubhouse doors were locked. And the next thing I hear is, (laughs) I said, oh, no, where is it? I couldn't find it. I heard it, but I couldn't find it. And what I had done was I actually walked within (laughs) a foot of the snake that was on top of the steps to the clubhouse door, but off to the side. (laughs) <laughs> so I took my flashlight out and I kind of shined it around until I can see it. I finally spotted it and I slowly backed away. He, I I don't know why he didn't strike. I mean, I was literally within a foot of it. He should have struck and he didn't. And I got back in my car and I called back to the my my boss. I said. Don't send me out here again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: also, the clubhouse is guarded.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's there plenty of snakes and gators out here to take care of the rest. I don't even know
2: Yes. I'm, oh, myself, man. But. Yeah, no, I don't want close encounters like that. I, I sometimes say, I like, moderate adventure. Um, so, you know, like, moderate. I don't want to do survivor kind of adventure. <laughs> just moderate. I want to go back home at the end of the day and – probably sleep in a plush bed, not on your cabin floor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Davey, uh, to wrap all this up, first of all, tell us where we can learn more about you. I I know you mentioned your website, travelwithdavy.com, earlier. Um, Tell us about uh, where else we can learn about you and then some of your upcoming adventures, whether they be travel related or otherwise.
2: Yeah. Um, I would say follow me on social media. Um, actually recently I just deleted Facebook off of my uh, phone just to save myself because the feeds are, are, aren't fun right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but at Davy Sutton on all social media, um, and then Davy is my personal website and then travel with Davy is the, um, e-commerce website. So.
0: Oh, cool. Very good. Well, uh, I want to thank you for doing this. I know, uh, you know, chewing up an hour of your day, as busy as you are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it took a lot. But no, I, you know, uh, I probably can speak for Dave. We really appreciate this. I feel like I'm talking to an old friend.
2: Yes. Thank you. I appreciate coming on. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much, Davey.